Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> How are you today? I pray all is well. This message stirs your faith, falls on good grand produces good fruits in your lives. Today, we are still in the Ambassador Series, Part 62. We are talking about Club It to Death. Yes, y'all, Club It to Death. Um, there's a song that actually somewhat, the title rather, inspired a part of this message <laughs> because um it made me think about as I was preparing my notes for this uh, and there's actually a scripture that also says this uh same passage as well of club it to death I'll get to that in a moment but as I was uh preparing today I was thinking about this song that be- has become one of my favorite old school classic songs from this already uh, artist excuse me from back in the um 60s and um where you know the the song title is called um club it to death and and it i just be jamming to, <laughs> to that song again it takes me back to my my late grandparents my paternal grandparents cause they you know that was a they music baby um they, they love soul music and so um you know, it just, it just, in this moment, y'all, when y'all heard me come on, it's like, I'm jamming in my head. Y'all just kind of caught in wind <laughs> of meet my jam. Um, but we're going to have a funky good time today, okay? Because we are talking about Club It to Death, and I want to encourage every kingdom ambassador out there. Um, and for those that are like, well, what's a kingdom ambassador? It's you, baby. It's you. You're here on divine assignment because God says, I want you to know your identity in Christ Jesus. You are his ambassador. You are joint heir with, with Christ Jesus for the king. King is God. So therefore you are his ambassador in the earth. You are his disciple you are an agent of revival. God is going to use you. He's going to revive and resuscitate you know, whatever is dead or seems dormant in your life. And he's going to use you and the spark of flame that's going to arise in you to then go out and make other disciples, other kingdom ambassadors, other agents of revival. But it all starts with you first. And so we're going to take a look today at some people who had to have faith and strength to club it to death. When it when the giant seemed too big, when the mountain seemed too tall to climb, when the um the tasks seemed insurmountable, God did not stop the storms from happening in people's lives, but he gave them the strength they needed to keep going, to be willing to club it to death. And you have to understand that. What you do and what you learn on this level prepares you for your next level. If you can't handle the level you're on today, chances are you're not ready for what you're praying for, which is why it has not manifested in your life yet. Because God is saying, I need to develop you here. 
So you got to be willing to let the process happen. Yes, yes, yes. I know, baby. I know. Process seems like a dirty word in today's society where it's a microwave, a microwave, excuse me, society where everybody want it quick and fast. But it takes time for a good meal to be created. I don't care how many of these commercials want to show you that if you just pop it in the microwave, it'll be done and it tastes good. I have lived long enough, okay, to have enough microwave dinners to know it ain't good. And even something that took a long time to cook, sometimes you can't just put that back in the microwave. It may be leftovers, but that was cooked in the oven or cooked on the stovetop. But putting it in the microwave, it don't have the same flavor, baby. It don't taste the same. Sometimes you got to heat that thing back up in the oven. Because the microwave nukes it with with all the uh, the electrodes and whatever. It, it nukes it to heat up really fast. But see, when you allow it to heat up in the oven or heat up on a stovetop, oh, it's going to take a little bit of time. You got to let that thing melt and marinate and the flavors pop more when it's cooked in the oven than it's cooked in the microwave. Trust me, I know. I, I do enough cooking. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, I am, you know, my own little chef over here. You know, I do what I do and I do it well. <laughs> you know, so I, I know the difference between the, the two. The difference between what tastes, mic- what's microwavable and how that tastes i know the difference between um you know when you reheat something in the microwave that was once cooked in the oven versus when you put it in the oven it there is it's just different it's just different that's like uh i give y'all a funny example i remember having a conversation when i was having one of my uh my infamous game nights i love um having um game parties where you know we play a lot of board games and card games and things like that and, you know, come together to have good food and just a good time. And so I was having one of my, you know, this was actually just an impromptu game night that literally just kind of came about at last minute. And so we were sitting at the table playing games. And then, you know, I was like, well, let's just order out and order something to eat. And so we did that. And um, in the midst of all of that, I was like, well, I'm going to just eat a little bit of my French fries that I ordered um you know from takeaway i said well i'm gonna eat a little bit of my french i'm gonna say the rest later oh baby 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 baby. that just sparked a whole (laughs) um debate about what's the best fries and how you should eat french fries and and a lot of people like "Uh -uh, i cannot eat leftover french fries like that is nasty boo because that's because you don't know how to heat it up right okay boo see listen okay you talking to the chef here I knows how to get these fries to taste just like they just came out the um the, the fryer. And the best way to do it, I give y'all two ways. I'm, I'm going to give y'all a little tips here for this, okay? You know, wasn't even playing today, but here go y'all chef tips. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to leftover french fries, the best way to heat them up is not in the microwave. You can heat reheat them up for 5 to 10 minutes in an air fryer. Or you can reheat them up in the oven at about 400 to 450 degrees. And again, about the same time, five or 10 minutes, it won't take that long. And depending on how oily the fries are, if they're not that oily, then you want to take a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of olive oil and just, you know, drizzle it across and then work your fingers in so that it gets on all the French fries and then put it back into the oven or toast oven. See, I see some of y'all like, ooh, okay. I never thought I'm going to try that. Go ahead and try it, boo. You can email me. Let me know how it turned out at AndreaGriffinRogers at gmail.com. Check the link in the description as well. It should be down there. Um, 
But on DragoFromRodge at gmail.com, you can look at um, my name to see how I spell it. There is no hyphen in the email. There is a hyphen in my name, but there's no hyphen in the email. Just all one word. Rogers at gmail.com. And let me know how it came out for you the next time you got some leftover french fries. Don't throw them away. Uh-uh. Food waste is just too big in the country of America as well as in the world. There are too many hungry people in this world for you to be throwing away food. Learn how to reheat it and eat it properly. Okay, learn how to take some ingredients and make something different with it than the way it was. Okay, that's why, guys, it's important to learn how to cook, baby. So, okay, so let's get back (laughs) on to the the topic at hand. You know, when it comes to the assignments God gives us, sometimes you're going to find that it requires a lot out of you that you didn't think you knew you had in you. And any of my entrepreneurs out there, you know. Okay, baby, you know, it takes so much more work to be the boss than it is to be the employee because the employee don't have to worry about um, coming in early enough to turn the lights on, make sure the air conditioning, the heat's running, make sure the, the bills are paid, make sure this is going, that's going. They, they don't, mm-mm. the employee just comes in, sits at their desk or wherever you work at and expects that everything has been taken care of because you're not the owner. So you don't know the ins and outs. You don't know the overhead calls. You don't know any of that. You just came in, did your job, and that's it, and left the way you came in. But see, the boss, the owner, had to come in earlier than you to get things. Because that's a good boss, a good owner, comes in earlier than you. I, you know, I remember the other day, I don't know why I want food right now, y'all, but <laughs> the other day, my mother and I were out uh, at dinner and um, the, the gentleman that we met at the front, now, granted, there were a bunch of, it was a, a restaurant packed that day. So there were a bunch of employees there. But um, this one tall, very tall uh, young man was the first one that, um, that I saw when I came in. And he was doing something on the phone and, he, you know, greeted me as well as, as somebody else who greeted me when I first walked in and worked there. And so, you know, said hi and then asked some questions. He broke it down to me. I had figured by the way he was speaking that he was the manager because I said, if he's not the manager, then he needs a promotion because he's so knowledgeable. Whereas the other employees, when I was asking them like, hey, you know, uh, I'm gluten free. I'm vegan. Do you have a special menu? And they were just like, uh, you, you know, just scratching their head. They don't know. Um and then when they did find the menu, they still couldn't tell me like, okay, but what does this actually mean on the menu or nothing? Because it had like certain markings on it to determine like what was gluten-free, what was vegan, but it wasn't clear. So they, didn't, they had no idea. And so I had to wait again for this young man to get off the phone to then handle it. And he jumped in and just immediately knew what was what, what I could do, how I could mix this, that, boom, boom. You can make it. It was like, okay, thank you. So again, if he wasn't the manager, I was like, bro, you need a, you need a promotion quick. Okay. Because you are so good. You know, went to my seat, went to the bathroom, washed my hands and everything, came back out, sat down to eat. Um, the waitress came over and she couldn't answer no questions again, because she's a hireling. She's the employee just did do her job. Can't answer any questions. Okay, well, is this my else that can help us? So she she called the same young man that greeted me when I first came in. So he starts speaking, and so I just find out. I say, "Are you the manager?" And he says, "Yes, I am. Thank you." And that's, and it was interesting because before he started speaking to us about the questions, he actually said, "Hey, I was finishing cleaning up the table. Give me one second. Wait a minute. Aren't you the manager? And yet you're over here cleaning the tables because when you're a good employee." 
and you recognize who you work for really is not the company name, is not the people, then you are willing to do jobs that other people should be doing, but you're not looking for them to do that job because you'll do it yourself. That's what happened with King David in the Bible. It wasn't his job. He, first of all, if you go back to 1 Samuel um, 16, David was a shepherd in the field tending to the sheep. That was his job. and He did it well. So when his daddy told him this is after he got on his king in first samuel um you know chapter 17 when he after he gets anointed king in first samuel 16 he goes back out to the sheep because he didn't go exactly to the palace i talked that before he goes back into tend to the sheep then it comes a time where he his dad says hey um you know king saul and your brothers are at war right now take this lunch basically down to them to serve them so now he is a delivery boy for a second. <laughs> okay. And so he goes and he delivers the food. And all of a sudden he just sees this uncircumcised Philistine, this, this devil, this Goliath talking smack to the army of the, the living God talking about his God. And so he's wondering why all of these other people who are employees just sitting around doing nothing. Why you ain't clubbing this thing to death? Oh, this person got all this mouth and you're here to do a job, but you're not even doing your job. You're sleeping on the job. You're looking for somebody to do it. You're making excuses as to why you can't. And I'm not going to get into it's too much text to read in first Samuel 17. But we see this exchange with David and the people, how every, you know, um, soldier got some excuse as to why they can't. But God has given you the victory. So why are you saying why you can't club that thing to death? Why you can't defeat this giant? You know, I was talking to somebody earlier about this as it relates to healing. I said a lot of people have the excuse that it's too hard to heal. No, it's it's harder to make the excuse. It's easier to take the first step. The first step is admitting you have a problem and you're in need of help. And then the second step after that is going to be the next step and the next step and the next step, next step. I don't know what your thing is, but as long as you keep listening to the lies of the enemy that says it's too hard, I can't club this thing to death. I can't defeat this thing. It will never be defeated. But when you're willing to serve, to show up, to do the work, even if the work was not required of you, but you understand it's part of the job description as being a part of this organization, then you do the job. Oh, I love how God brings us together. Come on, Jesus. Come on, preach. Because <laughs> it's really God preaching through me and y'all just hearing it. Okay. It ain't even really me giving y'all this word. You know, so just like at that restaurant, though he is the manager, though he is an employee, it's not his business. He doesn't own it, but he understands that I don't work for you. I work for God. Therefore, I'm going to work this in excellence. So even if there is a job that needs to be done and nobody else is willing to do it, I'm going to get up and do it. The table that um, there's a table behind us. These people just left. Where was their their server or busboy or whatever to come clean the table? Oh, they didn't show up. The manager saw that there was a dirty table, and he also saw that there's a busy room. He recognized there's a lot going on, and so I'm not going to wait or bother another employee to do this job that maybe the other employee should have did done. Excuse me, or maybe the other employee got tied up and didn't get a chance to go clean the table. I'm not going to wait and not be able to serve somebody else who need to sit at the table. I, as the manager, am going to go and just clean the table. 
so that it is available when it's time to serve somebody else. And that's twofold with us. I use practical examples of spiritual principles. If you keep waiting to heal, you'll never get to serve. You'll never see the full capacity of a full house of blessings that God has for you because you're waiting on when you get there to deal with that area. God says, whatever that area is that you need to club to death, you need to deal with that now. Start working on it now. Start healing from it now. And you can ask God how, because God has strategy for everything. I remember when I first started working out, um, you know, in August and I was like, okay, God, like I finally got the clean bill of health from all the doctors. You know, how do I get started with this? You know, I want to be consistent. And, and, um, and so how do I stay? The first thing he told me to do was develop your why first. And at first, you know, of course, the first thought was like, well, I'm finally healthy. God, I want to get this weight off that came on me when I was sick. He said, no, 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 that's not your why. And so when I weeded through the the stuff that I thought it was and I got to the root, which was from him of the why. It was to be active. I want to um, stay active. I want to stay active every day and have the energy I need to do the job you've called me to do well. When I said that, then God said, okay, now here's your strategy. Your strategy is to break it down in increments. So the first few weeks, it was like, okay, you're going to do Pilates and you're going to do Pilates for um, about 10, 15 minutes. Now, for some people that's like, oh, oh my gosh, that's not that much at all. Okay. Well, for me. Who hadn't worked out in two years? That was a lot. So I started and I did it small with the small increments. And then when I built up a little strength from there, then God said, okay, now go out to the drive, you know, to um, an area for people like to drive. Well, for where I live, it's basically like a trail. Go out to the trail among the trees and go for a walk. And at first, it was like, okay, it wasn't necessarily walking minutes or or um, or miles or anything like that. It was just walk. Walk until I tell you to stop. And when I was walking and, and listening to God, I wind up the first time, the first few times it was I did um, um, like a mile or a mile and a half. But then after that first week of being out walking, I was able to do four miles. And so I was able to just keep it up, but I started small. Had I not started with the Pilates first, but part of Pilates is stretching. Had I not started with that first, I wouldn't have been able to do a four mile walk. God started me small to help me learn to club this stagnation that has been from my sickness season to death so that I can get to a healthier place physically. But it was about your why. The why is to just be active every day. And so now I'm in the gym and now I'm in the gym every day, every morning. You guys, if you've been following me, you heard me talk about it time and time again. I'm at the gym 5 a.m. in the morning. I'm lifting weights. I'm doing this. I'm doing that because I started small back in August. So now in November, I have the strength I need to do it well because I developed over time. And so really when it comes to healing or really comes in anything that God calls you to do or requires of us. It's not about saying it's it's too hard. It's about breaking the mountain down and starting small and then building your way up.
you have the power to club it to death. God would have never placed you in the the building in a sense, back to my example, if he didn't think that you didn't have what it takes to serve in this capacity. He says, you do. I've called you to it. David was a shepherd. He was not, in, in a sense, directly called to go to war. He was not recruited to be a soldier. However, it was part of the assignment that was attached to the ultimate purpose of being king. Can you serve on this level? How can you be king if you've never been on the battlefield? Because then when the time comes for war, you will not know how to position your men to defeat the enemy. You will not even understand what it feels like to be a soldier on the field because you've never been there before. So God allowed David in that moment to go to be a delivery boy for his dad to take the lunch to his brothers to then see what it's like on the battlefield. And then God gave him strategy from his vantage point of having been a shepherd to see this giant and realize, well, when you were a shepherd, you knew how to club to death the lion, tigers and bears. Oh, my. And you did it well to protect the sheep. So now I need you to protect the people who God calls in the Bible sheep. Jesus calls us sheep in the Bible. And so he says, okay, in a sense, now I have positioned you. I've elevated you from a shepherd to now a warrior. Though the, his title was never in a sense changed in that moment, but it was the assignment just like that, um, that manager at the restaurant, his, his title as manager didn't really change, but though he had to go to seemingly a low place to do the work of a bus boy, he did it with pride and, and he did it with, um, he did it with, with gleefulness basically. He was willing to do it and he did it in excellence. He didn't say, uh, I'm the manager that is beneath me. No, he understood that in order to keep this machine running, in order to keep this business well oiled, in order to keep things flowing good so that we can continue to serve others well, I'm going to do this job and I'm not going to wait for somebody else to do it. I also saw him delivering food, recognizing that, okay, I'm not going to just stand here at the door and wait for, and have people sitting at the table waiting for their food. If the servers are busy or the servers are not doing their job, I'm not going to sit here and deal with you right now because we got people, we got a full house of people that are hungry. So I'm going to get some food and, and deliver it to the tables. I saw him do almost every single job that others were doing or should have been doing, but him as the manager was willing to step up and do the job, even if it seemed like the low job. Can God trust you to do the low thing where he calls you? Or do you feel like that's beneath you? Mm -mm, I've done that before. I've done my time doing it. I'm not going to do that anymore. Are you clubbing to death something that God is trying to resurrect? Are you clubbing to death something that God never did it yet? Though he may have shifted you in a season, didn't mean that he wanted you to um, think that you're, you're better than, that you're higher than doing that. This is why sometimes you will see, I was watching this documentary of um, Tyler Perry, a billionaire, a billionaire financially, super successful. And yet he says, I, I saw as they were walking around his uh, compound of his studio in Atlanta, Georgia. And as they were walking around the studio, 
he was willing to do certain jobs, even in the midst of doing this interview. He was stopping to do certain jobs. He said, I do this because I remember what it was like to be just the person, the only person doing everything. I didn't have a team. So I had to do everything. And so because I learned how to do every job, I know what it takes to do that job. Not only does it mean he's understanding and he's empathetic to his employees, but it also means that if an employee doesn't do their job well, he knows how to handle that. He knows how to go take care of it. He also knows how to, if need be, to reprimand that employee because he says, I know how to do that job. Don't tell me that the floor can't be cleaned a better way when I've cleaned these floors before. These floors before. So I know the solution that it needs to clean these floors well. Don't tell me that that can't be fixed or that can't be um, taken care of when I've done that job before. So not to do it well. We can't think that just because God elevates us that he's, uh, in a sense, clubbed to death other things that we need to take with us. That's why we have to master this level because what we learn on whatever level that we are on, he's going to use it at the next level. You don't, he, he doesn't waste anything. He's not a God that's wasteful, just like food. He's not a God that's wasteful. He uses everything. He always finds some reason, some way to use it. So while we may think, well, you know, that's useless now. I don't need that anymore. I, I worked that job and I learned that skill set. I did that job. So now that I am the boss, now that I am being elevated, now that I am being promoted, I have to do it no more. But God doesn't waste anything. He says, you learned on that level to take and apply it to the next level, not to throw it away and discard it and think that there's no purpose for it. And so let me read to you this text of 1 Samuel uh, 17, excuse me, starting at the 34th verse. And it reads as such. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And so he gets his promotion from Saul in the next sentence where Saul says, who is the king of the time? All right, go ahead and may the Lord be with you. But had David not mastered the level he was on, God could have never entrusted him as well as as well as King Saul could have never entrusted him to club this enemy to death. Had he not taken what he learned from the first level onto the next level. A lot of times when we're praying for God to shift our seasons, sometimes your your season could have already shifted and you just don't know it yet. But look at the surroundings. Look at the way things are going right now for you. Have they changed? I know for me, for the longest, I kept saying like, oh, when I get out the Job Wilderness season, and it was God that corrected me to say, you have stepped out of that. Not only did I show you a, 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 in the spirit realm of how you have entered into a waiting room, like in an airport. And I taught on that in um, season two of the podcast of it's not personal and spiritual. But um, what God also showed me is that you are in a transition season. That's what that means to be in the waiting room. You're waiting to take off. So you're in a transition transition season. And it's in that transition season where you're meant to reflect on what you learn and then take what you learn and apply it so that you have what it takes for the next level. Had David decided to just leave behind the lessons he learned as the shepherd, he would have never been qualified 
and would have never been able to give his resume in a sense to King Saul when Saul asked, what, what qualifies you in a sense to um, fight this Philistine? That's in uh, verse 33. Go a few ways up. I'll read it to you real quickly. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. So basically King Saul is saying, because of what I see in front of me, there's no way you can club to death this Philistine. What qualifications do you have on this level? You're a shepherd from the fields. But it comes, as I just read to you before, of verse 34, it comes the next statement by David that says, um, hold on. When I was taking care of my father's sheep and goats and a lion or a bear tried to steal the lamb, I would go after it and club it to death. So, yes, I have served my time. I have done the work, but I'm also taking the lessons that I learned from back there and applying it to here. This is what qualifies you to do the assignment God has for you. And so don't think for those out there that feel like we well, she was on a lot this season about, you know, purpose and, and assignments. And I don't feel like I'm in my purpose. I don't feel like I'm in my assignment yet. Don't think that God has forgotten you just because you haven't been able to, as you say, walk in it or manifest into your purpose or assignment. God is going to use it all. So even for those are entrepreneurs out there, but you may still be working your nine to five job. And you feel like God has not given you the release yet to leave. And you may feel like, well, this is just pointless. This is worthless. Like, why is my, why am I still here, God? You're still there for a reason. God is still teaching you something at that level. Because when it is your ascension time, he will ascend you. When it is your time to defeat the next giant, he will, he will present it to you. But there's something being done here that you need to learn. Not to mention, if David decided to go straight to the palace because he was already anointed king in the previous chapter, he would have missed the opportunity to learn on the battlefield and to win the people on the battlefield. Because there were other soldiers there that knew nothing about who David was. But, but, um, excuse me, but by David's victory at this point on the battlefield by killing Goliath, then they were willing to serve David. They were willing to to they embrace him whenever the time came from to be king because they saw how he handled that level but if david just like saul went ahead and just went from in a sense the pit to the palace he would not have been prepared because that's what happened to saul saul didn't see war he went from the the pit in a sense to the palace and then he became a people pleaser he became willing to do whatever the highest bidder said because he was afraid of the people he was not willing to stand because there were, he, in a sense, by the process. But this is why God had David go through the process. So like the example I've been giving a lot frequently, don't look at the road runner who can, you know, seemingly run through the brick wall, run through the rock easily and think that that's where you should go. If God is taking you the long way about trust in the process, knowing that there's a reason why he has you going this way, because just like he told the children of Israel um, in Exodus, if I take you the shorter route, there's sure to be a battle up ahead that you will not be able to face and you will be defeated. So I take you in a roundabout way so that you can learn how to get your weapons up so that when the time comes for you to get into battle, you can club it to death. So we are out of time, guys. Um, I had so much more scripture to get to, but God said, wrap it up. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you. Show you his favor and give his shalom. Give his peace. Take care. Love you guys. Bye now.